Welcome everybody. So if you just tuned in here, we're just going to run a podcast through Swarp. And the topic of the day is about base hospital audits. And I have here today, I have Dr. Sean Dorn, and we're going to be having a discussion back and forth, just talking about these audits that are happening and when they come out to us. And I'm going to be addressing this from a working medic's perspective. So Sean, thanks for being here today. No, it's great. Looking forward to it. So Sean, what is the value, if any, in this whole auditing process? What does it provide for the paramedics in the trucks out there in Swarps region as a whole? I think the value of the auditing process is that it's important for overall patient safety. And that's really what we're all here for, right? Base Hospital, the EMS services, the Ministry of Health, all of the ALSPCS, the BLSPCS is all about basically serving patients' needs. Okay. And so in order to ensure this system that is quite large and expansive across a geographic area, it's important to be able to identify any issues that may arise, maybe identify trends that are arising. And you can't really do that without having a formal auditing process to sort of monitor everything and escalate things if, if, if there's an issue that occurs. Okay. So I think it's really important mainly to ensure, you know, good patient care helps guide new directive development, mm. helps guide changes in the field that might improve paramedic safety, helps, you know, guide all sorts of things that really is all about improving patient care in our region. Yeah. And it seems like it's pretty extensive and it seems to be robust because there's lots of eyes on it. There's lots of systems in place, lots of safeguards to to pull paperwork and that. So no, that that's terrific. That's really terrific. So Sean, I know a lot of people feel when like there's that feeling when we get these audits and we look at that and we're going like, what's going on? Like the, you know, kind of the, the flags go up, oh, oh, base hospital needs me to respond. So if the bit kind of being blunt, if I get an audit, did I, did I really mess up that bad? Is Does it mean I don't know what I'm doing? Like where does, where does the, the base hospital stand with that? Well, I mean, audits can come for a lot of different reasons, and some are very minor and easily taken care of, and some can be quite serious at times, and that's part of the job. There are times where we do make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We do in the emergency department, we do in the pre-hospital world, and those have to be explored and accounted for to ensure patient safety and your own practice safety. We might have to get into some more serious cases. I think we all have opportunities to learn, and, and if we all have opportunities to make mistakes as well. And what we're trying to do is reduce those to as little as possible. Oh, okay, so perfect. kind of the, the short answer is no. It doesn't mean that you don't know what you're doing. It means that you may have made a mistake, or maybe there's a gap there that we can talk about, and we can sort of make sure that moving forward you're safe on the, in the trucks and safe for your practice and for your patients. Okay, well, perfect. No, thank you, because that, that helps kind of settle folks down and make sure that their confidence isn't broken, right? So that's good. So Sean, when we think about these audits, how, I know it's kind of a more of a very direct question. How do these things get generated and get sent out to us? Like what's the, what happens in the background? Then all of a sudden there's an audit in Dwayne's email. How does that take place? Well, there's a couple of different ways that that can happen. Some of it actually, Rob, probably be a little bit more adept with understanding the entire process, but basically we have sort of a computer filtering system that's sort of going through some of the data and pulling calls that may have variances in them. These might get looked at by a first-level auditor who might then just close out the call, maybe ask a question and close out the call. If there's still some clarification required, we'll go to a second-level auditor. Okay. The same sort of process would occur at that level. And then, you know, if necessary, come to one of the LMDs if there's further clarification required or any remediation or any discussion with the paramedics to be held. Other ways that they can be generated is through self-reports. 
And certainly if you have a case where you're concerned about it, the self-report is a very nice, efficient way of identifying an issue and closing out an issue. It really helps move things along very quickly. So okay. I strongly yeah. encourage people to use that all the time as much as possible. Some audit requests will come from the service directly, either from you know, someone at the service or a patient inquiring about it. Some other audits may come from physicians or nurses working in the hospital asking a question that requires us to look into a case and so on and so forth. Oh, okay. And Perfect. occasionally we'll get some from the ministry themselves. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Where they may have a patient that had a concern and then they contact us to look at the case. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Well, that's that's awesome. So there's like four or five different facets that may play into this. Yeah, there's different sort of streams of which yeah. they can come in from essentially. Okay, Perfect. So, you know, being a medic for 27 years, a lot of times we we are out there and we're doing our thing. And when we get these audit responses back, say we're, we've done a call and we're thinking, ooh, I don't know how this went. I think I did everything right. Is there anything to be nervous about? Do we need to fear when we, we get that initial email from base hospital saying, hey, Dwayne, please respond to this. Here's the ACR attached. Like, do, is there a big fear that we need to be worrying about at all? Well, I don't think that there is really. There's a, you know, there's very, very, very few cases that become really quite serious. Most of them are initially just a question as to some clarification of the call itself. Right. All right. we have to go off of is the ACR. So if there's any missing information in there or it's not clear to us, then we'll reach out and ask a question. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. At least we know kind of going forward that it's it's just for clarity, right? Primarily, yeah. I mean, there are some cases where they become a little more involved and there's some remediation involved and some learning to be had from the case. But again, those are not that common. And if they are, they're usually, it's not done in any sort of punitive kind of way. It's meant to try to understand the call, uh, see if there's any sort of gaps in knowledge or practice, and then work on those so that moving forward that those things are corrected. Yeah. So it's not meant to be a punitive thing. It's more of a, a learning opportunity, education. That's correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's fair and it's just. So that's good. Are there more than one set of eyes on the audit? Like, I mean, when it's when it goes through the process, if you could kind of explain that and who makes a decision to ask for the response to be sent out to us in the field? Well, I mean, there's, in some cases, there's more than one set of eyes. In some cases, there isn't. It really depends on each call. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, so the degree of variance that occurs from the medical directors really dictates at what level does this need to get to and who is the person that's going to be responsible for ultimately closing out and reviewing the call. Okay. So like I said in pre the previous question, you know, okay. in some cases done at the first level, some cases at the second level, some cases it comes to the LMDs and there's a meeting with the paramedics before anything's closed out and reviewed. Okay. So there could be multiple folks that before it even goes out to us, there's been lots of eyes on it. There could of, be. Yeah. There could, there could be, be. Yeah. Depending on what's going on. Right. It depends right. on the call itself. And then at that point we decide on, you know, who's asking for a response, mm. you know, what is the question that is being asked and what is the best format for, for closing the call out? Oh, okay. Well, perfect. No, thanks. That's great. Now I know it's kind of a, a bit of a loaded question, but roughly when we look at numbers, how many times or how many requests are made generally on average for medics in under Swarp's catchment area to respond? So it'll be like the very first time they receive a, hey, Dwayne, please explain why this happened. Well, I think from our data analytics consultant, Josh, between January 1st, 2023 and October 31st, 2023, there were 1,309 unique requests for medic feedback from the base hospital. Wow, that's, that's busy. But not all of them, I'm assuming, are like, I'm, I would make the assumption that they're closed out very quickly. Some of them 
uh, may have a little more depth involved to them. Yeah, correct. I don't know. Okay. It varies with the call itself. Okay. I don't know from the breakdown of this how that breaks down, but... Okay. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, thank you. So when we think about when we get these requests, what do you see from your end are the most common things that, you, that the base hospital is asking for from the medics? That varies a little bit. Again, you know, depending if the call gets to the LMD level. I think in most cases, generally, it's usually some clarification with regard to the medical care being provided once it gets to that level. Okay. So that's where we might ask a question about what happened on the call, what actual care occurred, how long did it take to start CPR, those types of things. Those might be some of the more serious cases where you want a pretty good clarification of what occurred. Okay. Certainly there's other ones that are, you know, like correcting the dose of acetaminophen or didn't realize that they had an allergy to something until afterwards the patient told them. Yeah. Those really, you know, <laughs> those kind of go out and they're usually pretty simple reminders like, hey, just double check the dosing. That's that's usually about it. So, oh, okay. again, like you said, it's just things are going to vary depending on the call. Okay. And certainly the ones that I get involved with most are, are patient care issues. Okay, perfect. And building on that, when you just said, hey, the ones you get involved with, when the physicians do get involved, what happens at that point? Like, I mean, I know it's kind of a broad question, but how far do you, the docs go with this? Well, I, again, I think the key is basically, you know, based on the call and, and the responses that we get and the interactions that we have determines, you know, how much review or time is required to close out a call completely. Okay. They're usually the, the tricky part is, often getting a time for us all to meet. Um, that's becomes a challenge when you have shift workers all trying to like schedule themselves together. It can be very, very difficult right, yeah, at times, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah, like, yeah no kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that becomes the real challenge in many cases. And then I think since the pandemic and a little more acceptance of sort of virtual meetings and things like that has really helped expedite oh, okay. that aspect of the process okay. in the sense that it's a little bit easier to sort of set aside some time if people can do it from home or wherever they happen to be. Right. If they can access it and we can discuss the case virtually, then that works quite well, I think, and yeah. people like that. Sometimes it'll be a phone call request okay. and we'll discuss it over the phone. Yeah. Generally, you know, generally the more serious the case is, the more likely we're moving towards Phone call, virtual meeting, face-to-face meeting type of thing. Because we're all kind of on the same team of providing patient care to the patients within our region. And we're all part of this big system that involves the Ministry of Health and EMS systems and the hospitals and the base hospital system. And so as cases become more serious, you do have to demonstrate that the involvement in terms of reviewing any issues is reflective of the seriousness of the issue to some degree. Okay. Right? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. And Sean, what should we be saying or typing in when we respond? <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, I, I can't really answer that question directly for you. you I was really to hoping call. you could. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to know what the call is all about first. I think the key here is if you get a request for some further information or clarification, mm-hmm. the best thing to do is to take a look at the ACR and review it yourself. Think kind of like what's the question being asked and, and answer it honestly and, and with a bit of care and thought so that there's enough detail for us to ascertain what you're trying to explain. Mm-hmm. And okay. then that can help move things along. Certainly there are some cases where you might get a very brief sort of response that doesn't seem like it's been carefully thought out or the person didn't look at the ACR or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. That's just going to probably lead to more questions, you know, just because we okay. don't have the answers yet or enough clarification to close it out. Right. 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 Okay. So the the basic answer is just, you know, honest, thoughtful response would be perfect. Honest, thoughtful response. Well, that's, yeah, that sounds, we should be doing that anyway, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So good. 
So thanks, Sean. That's awesome. Hey, and just another question. Do all the base hospital docs handle these requests for responses in the same type of manner? Um, I think generally we try to make sure that we're all sort of working uh, similarly and sort of have similar concerns and making sure that we're okay. focused on the ALSPCS medical directives. Okay. Um, could there be a bit of variability? It might be a little bit based on who's responsible for what region and maybe some of the nuances of that region or trends they might be seeing in a particular region might sort of change things a little bit. Okay. But generally we're trying to ensure that, you know, the base hospital and all the LMDs are, are acting similarly and appropriately. Yeah. And then that way everybody's kind of treated exactly the same. It's it's not biased. Yeah, no, definitely not biased. And no, we're not looking at one service or the right. other and being right. more difficult with one than the other. Yeah. That's not how it works. It's based on the facts that we have in front of us. So okay. yeah. um, that's really what it boils down to. Perfect. No, that's awesome. That's important. That shows some consistency across the line, right? Yeah. So perfect. Thank you. Thanks for that, Sean. You mentioned a few times about the self-report process. So as far as the self-report, when if we call in or email the paperwork in uh, on the website there, how does that affect the, the auditing process? Well, I think... It- I think it's kind of a unique way of getting through some of the audits and some of the cases where there may have been an error or concern that arose um, in the sense that if, if as the paramedic you're on a call and you've identified an issue with the care that was provided and you can you know, explain that in a self-report and identify what it is that you've done to recognize the issue and correct it, then it makes it pretty much a, you know, an open and closed case, right? Okay. It's essentially... You know, all in that one self-report, if it provides enough information, okay. pretty much identifies any issue we might have, shows that you've identified it yourself, and three basically shows that if there is any remediation to occur, you've also identified what that remediation is and sort of made a comment to the effect of, you know, moving forward, I would know to ensure to double check the dosing of such and such or oh, okay. whatever it might be. Okay. So it makes it very efficient. Okay. The other way is it's going through the filters. It may not get picked up, I suppose. But once it does get picked up, it's a little more work back and forth trying to clarify things than if it's just self-reported. And now, if you do self-report, it doesn't necessarily mean that we won't have to meet at some point. Okay. But it certainly sort of expedites the process a little bit. And that was going to be my next question. If there was more that was needed, then it would go through the process, like you said before, there may be more for clarification. Sent yes, yeah, of request course. For clarification. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. So the self-report is encouraged and it does help with that auditing process, right? Correct. Good. Awesome. Thank you. And then the question that always comes out is as far as deactivation, what is the rate of deactivation within SWARPS, all of us, the medics on the road? Is it like a high level or is it, what, what, how are we sitting? I mean, I don't have any percentage. It's okay. been very rare. Okay. I can think of the number of times that I've had to deactivate over the last six or seven years, probably on the order of three to five tops. And that's like minimal. Yeah, it's, it's not very, very much at all out of all the calls that we have. I know it's never a fun experience for mm. anyone. Obviously, it just means that we just need to meet with you quickly. It's really what it boils down to, to review the call and make sure that if you're going back on the road that we've we've covered things already. So okay. That, the yeah. incident doesn't occur again. We can't really be sitting on those ones too long. We have responsibility to act quick. Right. So. Right. Um, but usually we try to be very accommodating and sort of at that point, if it's at the level of a deactivation, 
then, you know, I'll be very available to meet whenever it works as soon as possible type of thing. Okay. So that's what we try to do. And, uh, you know, if we can avoid an actual deactivation and sort of arrange a sort of a temporary pause of being on the trucks until we can meet, then with some, some services will allow us to do that as well. And that's what we try to do. Like kind of pull out of the truck and then yeah. sit down and talk and make sure everybody's yeah, make sure good. everybody's good and happy and okay. understand where we're going with everything and review everything and go from there. Well, that makes sense, right? And then that way everybody's back on the road and we're not... <laughs> We're not worrying about can I be able to pay my bills, feed, yeah, feed my course. family, yeah. you know, and so that's good. That's awesome. No, thank you. No, yeah, deactivation is taken very seriously, and it is only used when it's absolutely necessary. So it's it's seriously, and it's it's very. It doesn't happen often. The frequency is yeah, low. Yeah, frequency is low. Yeah, it's just that's it, good. It's just that we need a timely intervention on it, yep. an overview of the case, and something we can't be delaying too long with. Perfect. That makes sense. Well, Sean, thanks so much for spending the time with us today. I really appreciate it. So do you have any final comments or any words of wisdom for all the SWARP medics out there trying to do our thing in regards to these audits and audit responses? Well, Dwayne, thanks for having me uh, chat about this topic. I don't really know if I have any specific, you know, amazing words of wisdom for anyone, but <laughs> I think the important thing is remember that in emergency medicine and in pre-hospital emergency service pr- provision, mistakes will happen. You can't make them zero. Right. Right. You're trying to reduce it as close to zero as possible, but there's always going to be a mistake that occurs or or an issue that arises. And that's, you know, that's part of doing business in EMS, like unfortunately. So I think the important thing is that this is kind of part of the job to some degree. And if you do sort of get some of these requests, try to sort of not panic about it or get overly anxious about it. Recognize it for what it is, a case that may not have gone ideally and an opportunity to discuss it and learn from it so that moving forward, you know, we're improving our patient care all the time. Perfect. Well, thanks. Well, it was awesome to spend some time together today and recording these podcasts. And it's it's a topic that a lot of folks have been asking about because, you know, there's a lot of the, the general medic doesn't. We, we really don't know exactly how these things kind of start, go from form to request to closing things out to possibly meetings and stuff like that. So thanks for the transparency and all the information. I think it was great and I think it was meaningful and everybody out there, I hope you enjoy this. And if you have any more ideas or you want to hear some discussions or you have some questions, you know, you're more than happy to email us or give us a phone call. And if you have a topic you're interested in or passionate about that you want some more clarity on, we can always do some research and do a podcast with one of our SWARP medical directors. So again, Sean, thanks. I appreciate it. No, Dwayne, thank you. Appreciate it. It was great. So thanks, guys. Have a good day. Okay, take care, everyone.